You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Monday show for you, although not a great weekend on the picks. Back-to-back bad weekends. Not in a good place right now. And we'll talk about that as I do every Monday, whether I do well or I don't do well. We will talk about it. Uh, we got a lot of things to talk about in college and pro football, for sure. Uh, we've got a scoregami in the NFL. We've got the Ohio State-Michigan game. Could the college football playoff be just as easy as four undefeated teams? Very well could. Heisman talk, just a lot of stuff to get to. And we'll get to all that momentarily. Well, let's start it off with the picks. When it rains, it pours because it is not going well at all. Final weekend of full slate of college football games. I went two and three. We finished the season in college football 55, 53, and four, barely over 50%. At least we didn't have a losing season. And just to go over them real quick, I hate the fact that I was 7-1-1 one, one on my best bets in college football through the first nine weeks of the season, and then I proceeded to lose four in a row to end the season. Louisville loses outright to Kentucky. Ugly, ugly loss. Only one with SMU. University of Texas San Antonio didn't cover the three and a half. Uh, I had Florida as an underdog. They looked good early, did not end up covering. And then the three-team 10-point teaser Uh, Won pretty easily. SMU won by like 40 points. They were laying nine and a half. LSU won by, what, 14, something like that. They they were only laying one and a half. And then that Iowa over 14 and a half, uh, we had that early in the third quarter. So two and three in college. Didn't want to throw out a ton of picks. But I I, I want to say this for those that are maybe wondering about other services out there. Look, I'm not a football service. I'm not charging you for these picks. I'm just giving you free. But I want you to know that there are a couple services that I have paid for, you know, where they handicap games and stuff. And I don't always bet all of them. Sometimes I bet against them. Uh, Back half of the season, I've been using uh, a lot of picks to bet against what they had because they haven't been going well. But let me just explain to you how hard it is to pick games, especially in college. So there is a service out there called The Power Sweep. It's done by Phil Steele, who writes probably the most comprehensive book at the beginning of the season on college football. I mean, it has everything you need to know about every single team in FBS. And every week, The Power Sweep comes out every Tuesday. So these are games that are literally picked by him a week beforehand. They're picked on Sunday night because they got to be in your inbox or in your mailbox by Tuesday. So they're picked a week in advance. He has a four-star, two three-stars, and an underdog play of the week and for the season in the power sweep he went 22 27 and 3 so he was under 500 this is somebody that you pay I think for the power sweep for the season uh, it is $99 or something like that he also has a late phone service where you get your plays Saturday morning which is obviously stuff that is more relevant than getting plays that are given to you on Tuesday. And, you know, some of those plays end up being uh, late phone plays. Some of them don't. But I will tell you that on his late phone service where he charges over $2,000 for the whole season, I certainly didn't pay for that, but he goes over his record every Tuesday in the power sleep. You can read his record about what he did over the weekend on his late phone service. His late phone service that he charges thousands of dollars for 
This is a guy that only does college football. Phil Steele doesn't cover anything else other than college football. His late phone service usually has anywhere between four and seven plays. Also has a top play every week and then, you know, about three to six other plays. He was 32-45-2 on his late phone service this year. His top play over the 12 weeks went 4-8. You know? There's also a guy who was an offshoot of Phil Steele, Brad Powers, who I really like. I think he does an excellent job. And he was 54-54 and 54 in college football this year. So against handicappers that are charging you money, I actually had a better record. Granted, I was only two games over 500 in college this year, but I did have a better record than guys that are going five games under, 13 games under, and riding a guy at 500. So... I just wanted to say that I'm not patting myself on the back for going two games over 500 the first year I'm doing this. Next year, I'm going to give away less games. We're probably going to eliminate the three-team 10-point teaser, and I'm not going to give away three underdogs for my underdog plays every week. It's just too many, and especially in college. I mean, college is where you'll get more. I almost feel like the NFL is where I should be focusing on my underdog plays because I've told you the numbers on underdogs. It's, it's just crazy how many underdogs went outright in the NFL. I mean, through... This weekend, we had um, – I'm going to go over this in a second when we get to the NFL. But uh, through this weekend, we had a lot of underdogs. 53 of 74 underdogs that covered this year have won outright. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. It's just a lot. It's a lot of – the NFL is just one of these – it's a league where this consistently happens, and I've, I've talked to you about this, where it's just pick the winner. And for the most part, if you pick the winner of the game, you're probably going to win your bet, whether it's the underdog winning outright or not, because there's only been, what, 19 instances in 12 weeks. Basically, you're averaging about one and a half games a week where the underdog, if they covered, they lost the game. So... Um, where they lost the game and they covered. Maybe one and a half a week based on those numbers, 53 out of 74. We had a scoregami yesterday in the NFL, for those that don't know. Scoregami is where it's the first time ever in the history of the league a final landed on a particular final. Broncos beat the Cleveland Browns yesterday 29-12. to That was the first 29-12 game in NFL history. There are a ton of scoregamis out there because – you know, at what point are you going to set the number at to where we're not going to go over that? I mean, has there ever been a, you know, take any game where the winning team scores 50 or more. Well, you could say there's been no 75 to 7 game in the NFL, nor 74 to 7, 73 to 7, 72 to 7, you know, go all the way back down to 50. You know, you're probably not going to get any of those. But if you were to go up to, I mean, this was a game that neither team scored 30 points, and we've never had a 29 to 12 game in the history of the league until yesterday when the Broncos beat the Browns 29-12 for their fifth win in a row. The Denver Broncos were dead in the water after week six. They were 1-5, and and they looked terrible. They had a 50-point loss under their belt. Everyone was calling for Sean Payton to basically bench Russell Wilson. They were terrible, and somehow this team has turned it around and has now won five in a row, and they are right there for the final playoff spot in the AFC. The AFC playoff picture is a jumbled mess. So many teams still have a shot. The NFC, 
honestly, the top six seeds in the NFC, we pretty much already know. I think there's only going to be one battle, and that's for who gets that last seed. Because right now, it's Seattle is at 6-5, and five, but they're probably going to lose to the Cowboys next week, or this upcoming week on Thursday. They're going to fall to 6-6. Six and six, And there's like three or four NFC teams right at 5-6. and six. So that's going to be a jumbled mess for that last spot. But we already know Philly is going to be in. San Francisco is going to be in. The Niners are going to be in. I mean, sorry. Philly, San Francisco, um, the Lions, the Cowboys, and and then the winner of the NFC South. So that's six. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, five. Is that five? Yeah. The four division winners and the Cowboys are definitely in. And it looks like if Minnesota wins tonight over the Bears, they're going to be at seven and five. They're going to have a two-game lead on a lot of teams for a spot. My guess is Minnesota's going to be in. But they also have Josh Dobbs on their team who has won three games as a starter in his career. So they could easily go in the tank at some point. So I would just say there's five spots definitely set in the NFC, and there'll be a, quite a, there'll be a few teams fighting for two. But the teams that are fighting for two right now are – a lot of them are under 500 at five and six. So – Still a lot of time left. I mean, not a ton. of Six games left for most teams in the NFL. But, man, I just it's kind of nuts how this thing is going and how it's shaking out because the NFC just seems like it, it seems like the NFC has, I don't want to say the four best teams in football because Kansas City and Baltimore are 8-3. Are and three. So is Miami. But Miami hasn't beaten anybody good. But we have, we have a lot to talk about this week because i got a lot of statistics to go over uh, this week in both the NFL and college. So how about this for the NFL? The Eagles do it again, 10-1 and one on the season. Jalen Hurts is now 27-2 and two in his last 29 starts in the regular season, dating back to the last weeks of the 2021 season. He's 16 and 1 in his last 17 and 27 and 2 in his last 29. And if you watch that game between Philly and Buffalo, Philly got dominated the whole game for the most part. Yes, they took the lead late, but then Buffalo took it right back. Philly did not look like Philly yesterday. Yet all they do is win. All Jalen Hurts does is win. He should be the MVP this season as long as they keep this up. Well, wow, who have they beaten? Well, you know who the you know who the Philadelphia Eagles have beaten? They're four and zero in their last five. And during that four and zero run, they've beaten the Dolphins, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Bills. All teams over five hundred. Three of those teams are at eight and three. <laughs> I mean, and then you take the flip side of it: the Dolphins haven't beaten anybody over five hundred this year. The Cowboys have only faced two teams that are over 500 this year, and they're 0-2. Now, granted, their next five are against teams that are over 500. Seattle, Philly again. Then you go on the road to Miami and Buffalo. And then you come home to the Lions. Then you're on the road at Washington to end the season. So we're going to know about the Cowboys. Do I think they're going to go 5-0? and No. But if they go three and two, finally get some wins under your belt that are worth noting. But if this team goes one and four against these five teams over 500, 
That's not going to look good for them, especially considering what the Eagles do to everybody that they play. They just win. They're a winning organization now. Jalen Hurts is a winner. He's been a winner ever since high school. He was a winner in college. I've always told you, he's my favorite player in the NFL. He's been for about the last, ever since he stepped foot in the NFL, because I loved him in college. I love what he stands for. I love how great of an interview he is. I love how he is just himself every time you hear from him. Great guy, and all he does is win. 27-2 and two in his last 29 starts in the regular season. How many, how many quarterbacks in the history of the league have ever had a run like that? And he's beating good teams. Like I said, four of their last five wins, Dolphins, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills. Three of those teams, eight and three. One of them was six and four, or six and five heading into yesterday. He made them six and six, and honestly, they shouldn't have won that game. They had to kick a 59-yarder in horseshit weather to send it to overtime. The Bills drive the field, kick a field goal, and then Philly is just methodical, right down the field, touchdown to win it in overtime. <laughs> They're unbelievable. But there's a part of me that's like, can they keep this up? Can they keep winning close games? Not only are they 10-1 and one this season, not only have four of their last five wins been against the Dolphins, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Bills, their last four wins they trailed at halftime. Like at some point, that's going to catch up to you. I don't think they're playing nearly as well as they did last year when they were the NFC representative in the Super Bowl, but they keep winning. I'm just saying, Philly fans, if you get to the playoffs and you're in a close game and you just don't pull one out, you can't be like, I, I know that there's probably this sense of as long as we have the ball last, all of our trust is in Jalen Hurts and we're going to find a way to win because that's all he does. He finds a way to win. But if I'm another team in the playoffs, whether it's the Niners or the Cowboys, whoever it may be, I almost feel like you almost have to close the game out yourself. You have to have the ball last, either down three, down two, down four, needing a field goal or a touchdown. Because we've seen it time and time again with this Eagles team. They don't lose. They find a way every single time Jalen Hurts finds a way. So... Got in two weeks, Cowboys and Eagles in Dallas. It's probably not going to mean that much to Dallas. I mean, to the Eagles, because the Eagles could probably afford to lose that and still hold on to first place in the NFC East. Dallas needs it for sure. For number one, to still have a shot at the NFC East. Number two, just so they can get a victory under their belt over an over 500 team. Yeah, they've got Seattle this week, but Seattle 6-5 and five, have lost two in a row and completely going in the opposite direction. I don't think anybody expects Seattle to give Dallas a game this week on Thursday night. I don't. Why would I? I've already told you about the Cowboys. 205-50. 205-50 is how they've outscored their five opponents at home this year. And Seattle's coming in on a two-game losing streak, and they're not very good anymore. I expect Dallas to roll again. So looking forward to that on Thursday. I don't even know what the line is yet, but if it's less than eight, you got to take the Cowboys. It should be eight. It probably should be eight or nine. But Eagles, man, I watched that game yesterday. I'm like, they're going to lose. They're finally going to lose one, they, and they just don't give up. So all the credit in the world to them for – 
getting me my only push in the NFL this week. Oh, yeah, I didn't even go over my own, uh, my NFL picks, did I? Do we have to? I was 0-4-1. So now I'm 35-34-4 this year. So I'm right at 500 in the pros, too. Just disgusting. Detroit loses on Thanksgiving Day. Philly with that push with the touchdown in overtime. Arizona, bad pick. Chargers should have covered. Down three, third down. All they got to do is either tackle after Baltimore gets a first down, whatever the case may be, and they breaks through the line and gets a touchdown. They win by ten, and it's just and then that and then Cleveland didn't cover. And my three team ten point teaser had Miami, the Chargers plus thirteen and a half, and Cleveland plus eleven and a half. And somehow, now, you know, somehow they lost by seventeen points to the Broncos, who that's Russell Wilson only Russell Wilson's second cover as a favorite as the. Quarterback of the Broncos, two and eleven as a favorite as a Bronco quarterback, but one of them happened to be yesterday. So oh four and one in pros, thirty five, thirty four and four now, back to five hundred, and it sucks because I was hitting sixty six percent at one point in the NFL, and I've just hit a I've just hit a bad skid. I haven't won a game in two weeks. I was zero and six last week, and zero and four one in this week. Oh ten and one, the last two weeks, brutal. Remember how last week or going into this weekend. I told you that the Pittsburgh Steelers offensively were a mess and they had gone 45 games in a row without getting 400 yards of offense, which, you know, teams like Dallas and Miami pretty much do in their sleep. So what did the Steelers go out and do against Cincinnati? They put up over 400 yards. (laughs) They hadn't put up 400 yards in a game since week two of 2020. Remember that? when there was nobody in the stands and we were playing football in empty stadiums, that is so weird to think about now. God, that's so weird to think that we played games. We played all sports with no people in the arena. And then they started letting some people back, and it's like, oh, there's we're going to play in front of 3,000. We're going to put 10,000 people in a 70,000-seat stadium and spread them out. <laughs> Just, it's crazy to think that we did that. We had to at the time due to what was going on, but it's so weird to think. That's the way sports were done. Crazy. Did you see this stat before the Charger game from last night? So going into last night, Justin Herbert, since they drafted Justin Herbert, the Chargers, they drafted Herbert in 2020. Since they drafted him, they are 30-30. and In those 60 games, the Chargers have scored 1,508 points, and they'd given up 1,507 points. I mean, you talk about average. Now, they lose last night 20-10, to 10, so now they are 30-31 and 31 since drafting Justin Herbert. They've scored 1,518 points and given up 1,527 points. So, nine-point difference. Now, last night also, they showed the statistic. The last seven games... The Chargers have been involved in that had were decided by three points or less. They were 0-7, and they were about to be 0-8 last night because Baltimore was up by three, third down. If they get a first down, game's over, and they lose another game decided by three points or less, but he breaks through the line, they end up winning by 10. Okay, but, I mean, I predicted that game Friday and said, we all know how this game's going to go. This is going to be a three-point game either way. And that's why we're taking the three and a half. And it just so happened a guy broke through the line and scored a you know, 35, 40-yard touchdown run, whatever it was, um, with a minute left. Technically, 
the play should have been for him once he broke through the line and knew he was going to score is to just slide. Chargers were out of timeouts, and if he slides, the game is over. Yes, it's probably over the fact that Chargers were down by 10 with a minute and a half left and no timeouts, but you could still go down, score, and what if they record, you know, get a touchdown and then recover an onside kick and all you need is a field goal? If the Baltimore player slides there, the game is over. The Chargers don't get the ball back and they can't stop the clock and get the ball back. So wasn't a smart play, didn't end up hurting them in the end, but those are the things I kind of look for um, because is it – was he out for statistics or is he out for a touchdown celebration, which was actually pretty funny where he lined the ball up and he had somebody stand near the goal post as a like goalie in soccer. And he kicked it where the goalie went one way. He went the other <laughs> scored a goal and then he did a soccer celebration. Thought that was funny, but this is what I'm talking about. If we're, if we're not talking about the gambling aspect of it and whatever, the correct play is once he broke through the line and got a first down, just a slide. Ball game, game over. Take one hike, you know, take one snap, maybe two. Take a knee, ball game, you win by three. But he kept going, and he scored a touchdown, and there was a minute and a half left when he scored. Chargers got to midfield after one play. Now, granted, they all they went four, they went four and out right after that, but what if the Chargers would have kicked a field goal or got a touchdown, had a little time left on the clock, and recovered an onside kick? you got to put that all on that guy because he did not have to score. Unless, of course, he had money on the game and wanted to cover the spread. But, yeah, Ravens betters were very ecstatic with that. Not to mention this. There have been – nobody had a bye week this week in the NFL. So there was 15 games in the NFL this week. Twelve favorites have covered. Only three underdogs covered. All three of those underdogs won outright. That was Green Bay on Thursday. That was the Giants yesterday winning 10-7 as four-and-a-half-point dogs and Atlanta winning 24-15 as two-point underdogs. Every other favorite covered this week in the NFL. Vegas got their ass kicked, and going into tonight's game, which is what, Minnesota minus, what are they, three-and-a-half, four-point favorites over Chicago? Never in the history of gambling since the Super Bowl era has started have 12 favorites covered in one weekend of the NFL. So if Minnesota covers tonight, that will set a record. I mean, look, Vegas already got their ass handed to them this weekend because 11 favorites have already covered, and the public usually bets favorites. But I had I never realized that. So we've never had a weekend of – I'm sorry, 13, because 12 have already covered. My bad. with Because I was, I was forgetting Baltimore. With Baltimore covering last night on that late touchdown – 12 favorites and three underdogs have covered in the NFL. There's never been a weekend where 13 favorites covered in the NFL. It's never happened before. I don't think anyone's going to feel sorry for Vegas. It's not like all of a sudden the lights are going to go off on the strip, but they got their ass handed to them by the public yesterday. Doesn't happen very often. Probably means next week they're coming back and next week is going to throw a monkey wrench into a lot of things, and the public will probably get their ass kicked next week. But for this week alone, already favorites 12-3 and three against the spread. Let's see if we can get to 13. I'd, I'd love to see the numbers. There, I'll, I'll be able to find out, not, not, not like I have inside information, but there will be Twitter accounts that post how much roughly Vegas lost this weekend on sports betting because if 13 favorites cover, I mean, shit, 12 have already covered, but if the 13 cover and it's the first time in the history of the Super Bowl era 
that 13 favorites covered in one weekend, Vegas is going to lose a good chunk of money. You know, definitely a few million. But is that going to affect the bottom line? Like I said, are they shutting down hotels because of that? No, because we all know most of the time, and the reason there's new hotels going up and they're big and bright and they have a sphere that runs a $1 million electric bill per month. <laughs> That's not a lie. That's not an exaggeration. That's true. Um, it is pretty crazy, though, that there's a reason <laughs> hotels go up all the time and Vegas is what it is. Because in the long run, people are going to lose. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review. Tomorrow, we're going to talk some college football. We're going to talk a lot of college football playoff and what to look forward to next week and what we're looking forward to this upcoming weekend of championship games. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please pass it along to your friends as well. Just don't tell them about the picks. <clears throat> Just an absolute shit show the last two weeks, especially in the NFL. Oh, 10 and one brutal. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate it. And remember sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.